0: Welcome to Talks at Stellenbosch Uni, Stellenbosch University's podcast where we talk about current topics and innovative research done at the university. Here's your host, Dr. Gillian Arendser. So today i'm in conversation with professor bruce watson so bruce holds two phds the first phd is in mathematics and computing engineering while his second is in computer science specializing in artificial intelligence cyber security algorithms and silicon chip design having worked at renowned universities such as eindhoven king's college london pretoria and stellenbosch and as well as leading high-tech companies in the United States, Canada, and Europe, I think it's safe to say that all data travels through something that Bruce has worked on. Bruce, welcome. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me today. Listen, just listening to all those words, I think you, you actually sound like Bruce Wayne, you know, also known as Batman. I mean, you are the man behind so many things. Uh, and the one who's going to just share some amazing information with us. So listen, we are we're in COVID-19, we in uh, midst of lockdown, people are working from home and we're trying to do everything we can to stay safe from the virus. But as we are protecting ourselves from the virus, from your perspective, are there some other things that we should be worried about?
1: Well, in fact, I think it's a very valid concern. Um, In South Africa, we are not uh, yet at the point of some other countries in terms of our information economy, but it's certainly one aspect of the economy that we're attempting to ramp up very rapidly because it's really the wave of the future. It's a very significant way of doing business. So of course, during the, the lockdown period, We've encountered the fact that, as you say, so many people are now working remotely. Companies are much more dispersed and allowing personnel to do things at home that normally wouldn't otherwise be uh, be permitted at home. And these things have a number of side effects. Among the side effects, of course, is the volume of, of data and information. Traffic is just dramatically higher. Uh, people are not enjoying the kinds of protection in terms of uh, cybercrime and, and cybersecurity that they would normally be enjoying within the, the company or government department premises. And, of course, people are lulled into a kind of false sense of security where uh, as long as things haven't gone wrong wrong so far, uh, there's there's certainly the ability to think that it will continue to go right. So companies, of course, are also playing a role in this. They've had to open many of the facilities uh, for people to work uh, remotely that uh, they wouldn't have dreamt of doing just eight or 10 weeks ago. And this is then also encouraging a certain amount of and type of network traffic to be traveling over the Internet and making itself available, in a sense, for cybercrime.
0: So so when you talk about cybercrime, I mean, are there specific types of of crime that, that is, let's say, more prevalent at this moment in time?
1: Well, uh, it's really the the same kinds that we always see, but they're actually operating at a much higher level. So if I can just name a couple of the, the underlying techniques that play a role in this... Uh, One of them is uh, phishing. So many of us uh, on a weekly basis encounter emails that look genuine. They might look like they're coming from our bank or from the government department or from our doctor or from family members, of course. And these are so-called phishing emails, which either have a link attached to them uh, or a, a document attached to them that we're tempted to open because it looks like it comes from a reputable source. And these are then either laden with viruses computer viruses, of course, in this case, uh, or other techniques for infecting our computers and potentially stealing information. Aside from that, in terms of techniques, there's also the ability to capture network traffic these things have been around uh, all the time anyway, but the fact that we now have so much more network traffic means that uh, someone who's doing that kind of snooping and siphoning up our network traffic could actually go undetected much more easily than normally. And that kind of network traffic may contain sensitive information, it may contain passwords and so on. And then the third technique would be the ability to, uh, for cybercriminals to be able to set up a, a website that imitates our bank or imitates one of the other organizations that we deal with and encourage us to give away information in that sense. So these underlying techniques then lead to a handful, a very small handful of end results in terms of cybercrime. One of them, which gets a lot of press overseas is what's called ransomware. So this is where our computers and systems and data are locked up, encrypted by the cyber criminals remotely. So it remains on our computer, but inaccessible to us. And they're asking for money for that to be uh, released. Uh, One of the other things um, that's much closer to home for most people would be the notion of identity theft. So this is easily done electronically, but then allows people to go and access our bank accounts, do fraudulent transactions, open new credit cards, do things along those lines. Um, and then there are two things that fit much more squarely within the corporate world. One of them would be intellectual property theft and related to that corporate espionage. So now companies and government departments are having to have a lot more of their, their real company secrets traveling over the internet, hopefully encrypted, but it means that these things are in a sense exposed to unscrupulous um, uh, other companies, competitors, but also of course cyber criminals themselves.
0: Bruce as you were talking I'm not just thinking you know I'm I'm working from home I work for an organization um are there any liability issues I mean if if I work from home and it's say the system gets hacked um is it my problem or is my organization still responsible to ensure that all the checks and balances are in place
1: Right. So that's actually a very interesting question. And I must say, I, I speak to this not as a uh, as a lawyer or an attorney, but uh, but really as a, a technical person. And um, from that perspective, there's really a mixed bag of, of factors that come into this. On the one side, typically we actually own the infrastructure at our own houses. We, uh, we lease the connection, either fiber or ADSL or some kind of 4G or 5G connection. So our internet connection is ours. And basically, that's our own uh, fault what happens on that. So people should be, incentivized to pay attention to uh, to their own cyber hygiene and defending their own home network or having at least uh, proper infrastructure in place. Now, things get muddled when people, are, of course, are operating at home. Using their their uh, work uh, computer, their laptop, perhaps, and not only that, they're typically actually connected to the the work system via VPN or something similar. And that's exactly when things get muddled because now we have corporate or government or uh, other employer traffic traveling back and forth to the home uh, over infrastructure that's actually run by the person themselves. So there's a real mixed liability uh, issue there, and it's significant exposure to companies as well. Not just from a liability perspective, but also just because uh, companies now have a lot of the intellectual property, trade secrets, and, of course, financially uh, confidential things traveling back and forth over networks to people's homes. So I would say um, this is a time like no other for people to actually up their game and really have appropriate cyber defenses, not only on the, the work side, but also on the home front.
0: So I kind of like it. You, you you spoke about cyber hygiene, you know, again, in terms of the the, the COVID a reality where we are sanitizing and washing our hands so so when it comes to cybercrime, are there certain things that that maybe one can pick up that could in a sense warn you
1: that you know everything is not above board well on, on the one side there are a number of tools obviously you know I don't advertise for any given tool but people would be very wise to have uh, firewalls switched on you know most computers nowadays support that with using uh, Linux or a Macintosh or a Windows machine typically this Will actually come with that, but most people, you know, actually either feel that this gets in the way or isn't really worth their while. So it is worth uh, worth their time to switch that kind of thing on. It's also worthwhile for people to get a feel for what their computer normally behaves like. So when uh, when there is some sort of cyber attack going on, specifically using your machine to do other things, you'll typically find that your machine gets your computer gets a bit slower the fan switches on it behaves a bit more sluggishly and so on so there can be non-criminal reasons that that can occur but when that kind of thing does occur it's a good reason to uh, to go and investigate a little bit further then the other thing i'd like to just add in terms of cyber hygiene is um, of course most people don't really monitor their own behavior online so i think there's a, a certain laziness that overtakes all of us in terms of using computers where we very happily share passwords, we share pins, we give other people access to um to shared folders, whether it's on Dropbox or SharePoint or Google Drive or something like that. And we don't really think twice about whether we should be sharing these kinds of things. And uh, that's, uh, I think, one of the, the leading things related to cyber hygiene. You know, we typically would not dream of sharing underwear with other people. Nowadays, during COVID, we wouldn't dream of sharing a mask with other people. And so there's no good reason to be sharing your password with other people as well.
0: So in other words, it's, it's all about you know, adapting to, to good practice. So, so as we become more aware, we, we start making better choices. Uh, and if I hear you correctly, it's, it's something that, I mean, it's not as if these criminals are only targeting governments or companies. In principle, they can target everybody. You know, and I'm just thinking now, uh, as we are in lockdown, I mean, we, we, we are doing online shopping and we are entertainment, We you know, we're watching shows. And like you say, uh, we just have to be mindful in, in terms of our practice. Uh, any other tips that, that you could share with us that, that we could maybe, you know,
1: think about adopting uh, as, as standard practice going forward? Well, I'd like to uh, maybe just touch on something that you've now hinted to or alluded to uh, right now, and that is the fact that um, that there really are different kinds of targets available here. So if we look at traditional kinds of crime, you know, very often... Um, anything re- revolving uh, around theft, for example, uh, normal thieves would actually choose the weakest link in the in the chain of custody given whatever they're trying to steal. So it doesn't make sense for for a criminal to uh, be chasing down uh, a, a central uh, bank or a reserve area of the bank. It makes much more sense to, for example, wait for the people outside the bank or identify people that might be carrying money. So this is known as really identifying the, the weak links or the weak spots or the soft underbelly if you will. And cyber criminals are doing exactly the same kind of thing now. So the more companies up their game in terms of defending their own networks, uh, defending their own intellectual property and and safeguarding their transactions, the more the focus is going to shift to what's really known to be the the weak link in all of that. And that's namely the end users, people being tricked or trickable into uh, giving up information. And it may be a, a technical uh, way of tackling your, your network, but it may also be um, be so-called social engineering where uh, people talk to you about you know various things that seem innocuous at first, but they actually are all part of stealing some critical ci- uh, information that enables a cyber attack. So you shouldn't, uh, for example, ever hint at, at things related to your passwords. You probably shouldn't be using passwords that relate to your, your dog or your address or your first address um, or anything along those lines. But people, unfortunately, do do that kind of thing. And I I think people should really reflect on whether they're making themselves one of the weak links in the same way that you might be a weak link uh, walking around at night with money sticking out of your pocket.
0: Bruce, uh, thank you very much for your time I mean I'm,
1: I'm amazed
0: you know and I think it's, it's just this this new awareness uh, that as we are battling with with the virus and people are vulnerable that that you know we have to be careful because like you said the criminals will always go for the weakest link or the, or the soft targets but as we you know adapt to some practices around let's call it virus hygiene. There's a need for us to also maybe incorporate some of those practice into the way we interact with our, our hardware, our computers, and maybe just practice some cyber hygiene. So thank you for your time, and thank you for just raising you know, this awareness about cybersecurity and for us to, to, to actually think before we act.
1: Absolutely a pleasure. And thanks very much for having me and for uh, spreading the message, of course. No, Thank you. Have a brilliant day. Thanks a lot. You too. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow all the latest Stellenbosch University news at www.sun.ac.za or follow us on all the largest social media platforms.